Welcome to the Path to Podcast Success. My name is Evan Johnson, and I want to share with you how to develop and maintain a successful podcast. My guests and I will discuss all things podcasting and how your podcast can become an essential part of your business. That means more revenue, better relationships with your audience, and so much more. If you haven't already, check out our website at ipodcastedit.com and enter your email address to get each episode delivered directly to your inbox, along with some other free information I'm sure you'll find useful. Get ready to turn on your mic and join me on the path to podcast success. Okay, Wendy, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm really excited for our conversation. Awesome. Evan, thank you so much for having me. I love talking about all things podcasting. So I'm sure this is going to be such a fun and energetic conversation. I think so. That's what it seems to be uh, shaping up to be. So I like to start off in the same place with everybody. And that is what is your biggest fear of podcasting and uh, that you have before you started? And did that fear end up actually coming true? Well, my biggest fear, I think, was, and with most of my fears, they're, they're always rooted around my own struggles with anxiety. And if, mm-hmm. if you've listened to me or followed me in the past, you, you know that I talk quite a bit about anxiety and, and how to manage anxiety. But really, I think the fear around podcasting specifically was, will I have enough to say often enough to keep it going? Will people want to listen? And will I be able to attract the type of interviewees for my podcast and for my format that, um, that I believe are going to you know, make the show a huge success? And so all those things really held me back. You know, There's an acronym I use quite often for fear. It's false emotions appearing real. And really, I think we get hung up a lot in fear and it's oftentimes just our ego trying to hold us back or trying to make us perfect and, and, and not let us succeed. And most of the time, it's all just a bunch of hogwash, basically. So to answer your question, did it come true? Absolutely not. I am enjoying the process of podcasting so much. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. That, that seems to be one of the most common fears is the... Uh whether or not you have anything to say, whether or not people will be interested in what you have to say. Um, and I think that you uh, provide a lot of great value there because that, that was a great acronym that, you know, that will help people think about when starting this whole process. Um, and I'm glad that it didn't come true. That didn't stop you. You still jumped right in, right? Well, kind of, you know, okay. they, there's always that there's always that kind of saying behind the scenes where you know you work on it for years and years and then all of a sudden you, everybody thinks you're an overnight success. Mm-hmm. I actually started thinking about podcasting almost 2 years ago. I bought a microphone, I learned some different podcasting software technologies cuz I'm really into systems and tech mm-hmm. and didn't do anything with it. It just wasn't the right time and it wasn't the right format. And I, I, I didn't go through with it. And then when my business, Build Success with Wendy, really started to take off this year in 2019, and I really started to step forward into saying, yeah, I have anxiety, but I don't let it stop me. And I started allowing some of my vulnerabilities to become my biggest strengths. Mm-hmm. 
which is something that I do talk about quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, and only then was I, did I reevaluate the idea of starting a podcast and just like overnight. And within two weeks, I had a podcast, I had 10 interviews in the can, and I was launching my, the Build Success Project, which is the name of my podcast. Okay, so, well, let's first talk about, you said that two years ago is when you first started thinking about it. So mm-hmm. you've got equipment and software and all of that kind of stuff. Throughout the process, a lot of people seem, um, it's daunting to think about, oh, what equipment do I need? What software do I need? Do you think that that has a big imp- that had a big impact in, in uh, when you actually went to start two years later recently for the equipment? Did you was that a, did that have a big impact or is it thing? Was it pretty much just whatever equipment works best? So for me, I am a tech girl. I am okay. like people call me the Hermione Granger of business systems. <laughs> I find magic in it, and I love the tech and the tools and and all of the stuff that you need. So for me, that's part of one of the most exciting parts about starting a new journey like a podcast. That said, there's not a lot of people that are, you know, tech junkies and, you know, system geeks like I am. And so I can see that it can be extremely daunting for people that feel like they need all the stuff in order to make it work. But in reality, you could use a really great pair of headphones that come with your iPhone, for instance, and, mm-hmm. or, you know, you know, earbuds and make it work and get it off the ground. And then as you determine that it is a, a medium or a platform in a way that you want to disseminate your content and share your ideas, then you can start to upgrade. But, you know, it's not an all or nothing game. And that's what I think a lot of people get stuck in is they think they have to have all of the techie stuff down and you actually don't have to have any of the techie stuff down to start a podcast. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good point. I mean, you can start with, like you said, a good pair of headphones, um, good, you know, use your phone microphone if you're in a nice quiet place. And then as you build an audience and as you grow, you can upgrade. You know, it's not like- absolutely, absolutely. So now you've added a podcast to things. You said you waited two years and then your business started to take off and things started to get more, um, that things started to improve. And then you decided to add your podcast. What made you decide to go back to the podcast? And, uh, has, has that been a good idea? Has that been a good decision? Has it, has it positively impacted your business? Yeah, it's been probably one of the best ideas that I have that I have decided on and stuck with mm-hmm. in a very long time. And let me let me backtrack a little bit. I came into this year knowing that I wanted podcast guesting or being a guest on podcasts to be one of my main one of the main ways that I expand my reach, build my own authority and 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 broaden my own network. And as I started doing these podcasts, I kind of got bit by the bug. I mean, I was already listening to, bot- to podcasts. I was already a podcast junkie. So being a guest was super easy. And I thought, well, if being a guest is super easy, how much harder can being a host be, right? And also, I liked the idea of being in control of my schedule and when it releases and 
and having more ownership around it. When you're a guest on somebody's podcast, which has been just a phenomenal way for me to get in front of some, some mentors and gurus that you know are a few steps ahead of me, and then be on their podcast and share what I have to say with their audiences has been phenomenal. Taking it one step further is that step into being the host of my own show. And now I can reach out and, and speak to mentors and gurus that I admire, that I think have something so powerful to say that I think more and more people need to hear. And also at the root of it, it's a little bit selfish because I get to learn every single time I interview somebody. And whether I'm learning something that they're specifically teaching or whether I'm learning just to be a better listener myself and be a better host and interviewer are tools and I think skills that are invaluable to any entrepreneur. Yeah, no, every person has something new to share. Even if they have a similar answer to a question, they'll put their own unique spin on it. Um, and that's one of my favorite parts about podcasting so far is that I've learned so much and I've met so many interesting people. So you started out, you kind of like took baby steps into the podcasting space by being a guest on other people's shows first and then decided to upgrade in, well, I don't, I don't know if I would say upgrade, but you moved from that into hosting your own show, right? Yes. And you thought that was a pretty good process because that's... Uh to me, that was a great process. And truth be told, I am still very actively engaged with podcast guesting on other people's podcasts. Because mm -hmm. again, that reach is going to draw people to my services, draw people to my own podcast, and just expand my, my sphere of influence, right? And yeah. so... And, and it was baby steps, but it happened pretty quickly. Like once I got through the first couple months of, you know, this year and I thought, wow, this is, this is something that I could do myself. I do need to go back and, and look at being, you know, starting my own podcast um, as part of my overarching marketing and success strategy strategy. You know, it happened pretty quickly for me. Now that said, I have a background in, you know, media production. And like I said, I'm, I'm pretty tech savvy. And mm -hmm. so it wasn't a hard switch to me. If anything, it was like going, you know, for me, it's like going to Disneyland. Like I get super excited about all that fun stuff, but I chose the podcasting medium and the podcasting platform because I don't want to write blog posts. Like when mm -hmm. I sit down and like have to put my fingers on the keyboard, there's like kind of analysis paralysis, right? And I think, how am I going to come up with 2,000 words? It's always easier to speak 2,000 words. So I often found myself dictating or transcribing anyway. And so the voice and using my voice felt very natural to me. So you've pretty much replaced um, how a lot of businesses have blog content. You've pretty much replaced that with podcast content. Is that kind of Absolutely. what I'm hearing? Yep. Yeah. And I have a very systematic way that I do a podcast, I have it transcribed, and then I actually have somebody else write the show notes for me. And I keep the show mm -hmm. notes pretty, you know, pretty short and succinct, but they're, you know, they're still jam packed with the value you need. And it is on quote, a blog on my website where I, you know, where I house them all in addition to all the podcast platforms out there and listening to, you know, ways that you can, uh, you know, absorb and, and get that, that content. 
But yes, my podcast and the content that I produce on the podcast is in essence, instead of, you know, long form blog, blog posting or blog writing. Yeah. And of course, there still is some blog content in the form of show notes. So people can go onto your website, they'll see the show notes and they'll see that transcript too, which is great for those who still like reading blog posts. And it's great for SEO and search engine optimization as well. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't even always put the entire transcript on the mm-hmm. show notes because I want people to listen, right? I, want, I yeah. want that download. I want that listen. But there is enough there and enough words that do, you know, add that SEO juice to my blog and gives people enough information to want to let them listen in, right? And so that's the way that I've been using the podcast. I also, you know, use clips of the podcast on Instagram and Facebook and all of that content that I have transcribed is great for quotes and great for, you know, course, courseware that I might be or courses that I'm creating. So anytime that you are speaking, having it transcribed is almost like a no brainer. Like you've written a book, basically you've written a chapter of your book. So I always recommend that you have it transcribed. I use a free transcription software called Otter, actually, O-T-E-R.ai, that gives you like 600 minutes a month for free. So I upload my 30-minute podcast interview. It transcribes it. It gives my person all the information she needs to write the show notes. I've got everything I need to write all my social media. We've got what we need, and we're off to the races. You're, you've mentioned now a couple of times about someone that you have doing your show notes for you and you have this service uh, for the transcript. So uh, let's delve into a little bit more detail. How involved are you in the podcast uh, process? So obviously you have to do your interviews, but beyond that, what do you do? Um, and uh, for what you do, how much time does that take you to do? And, and what don't you do? All that kind of stuff. So... I am a strong believer in just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should be doing that. If it's not an IPA or an income producing activity, it's probably best to have an expert do that. And then that frees you up to kind of stay in your zone of genius, serving your clients, looking forward, doing interviews, whatever that is to you. Now, going into producing my own podcast, I have all of the skills needed to do all of the pieces. I can edit the show. I can create the graphics. I can write the show notes. I can do it all. But when I started the podcast, because I knew that it's going to be a vital part of my marketing strategy for this year and beyond, that if I was going to be able to stick with it and keep up with it, along with serving my clients and and all of the services and business coaching that I offer through Build Success with Wendy, I knew that I needed to start with a production team. And so here's what that looks like for me. The first thing I did was I hired a gal to take care of all of the graphics for me. So that means that I need graphics for Instagram, Facebook, you know, LinkedIn, my website. And so we created a template and a graphic template and she automatically creates those for me. Every time I have a new podcast episode with the title, the episode number, their pick, you know, the, the, the interviewee's picture, et cetera, et cetera. So that's one person that I use is the graphics person. 
she also takes the content and adds it to Libsyn for me, which is my podcasting, my podcast show host. Okay. So she takes care of all that for me and gets it ready to, to automatically go live on our scheduled dates. After that, after it's recorded, I uh, write some editing notes to my show editor, and then I send him the audio files along with my show, with, along with any editing notes that I have, and I let him do the first editing pass through it, where he cleans it up, takes out all the restarts, the ums, the ahs, the, you know, all of the minutia that doesn't need to be there, and he adds in the intro and the outro and a mid-roll ad, et cetera, et cetera, okay? And then he sends it back to me. Now, at that point, I do actually listen very carefully to the show in its entirety, and I may go in and edit out a little bit more if I think that there's some filler or a little extra conversation that actually doesn't provide value to the episode. Once I'm completed editing the show, and in my mind, it is ready to be uploaded to Libsyn, at that point, I add it to Otter, the transcription uh, service that I use online. I have it quickly transcribed, and then I put all of that information with the with the episode, with all the information, right into my Asana. I tag my show notes gal, and she writes the show notes for me. And then it's all ready for the graphics. It's ready to go, and I don't really have to touch it again. I do often will take a quick look at it in Libsyn just to make sure that it's in fact scheduled on the right date. That I have it. I have a big calendar on my wall with a bunch of post-its on it that have the, the notes. And from that point, it's ready to go. On the day it goes live, it automatically posts to my blog as well, to my website. And my graphics gal then goes over to my blog. She does any final finesses on the copy, makes sure all the bullet points are lined up correctly, makes sure the image looks right, and then she pushes it live onto my blog post. So. I have a very succinct and systematic way that I've created it, which allows me to focus on basically what I would call the front end primarily, which are the interviews, attracting the right guests, and making sure that my interviews are the best possible. Yeah. So you pretty much, you have, I, li I like that system, experts for each job. And then at the end of it all, you'll kind of go back in and check and make sure it's what you want. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's your podcast. You know, not anyone on your team. It's not their podcast. So, you know, it's good uh, to go through and uh, double check and make sure it's exactly what you envisioned it to be. Absolutely. I always do that. And I recommend that to anybody that is hosting a podcast because, again, it is your name on it. And sometimes glitches happen. Sometimes the editor might not get it just right. Sometimes the graphic artist might accidentally make a, a typo. In a, in a graphic or something. So at the end of the day, as the, the owner, you always want to have that last look before it goes live. Yeah, exactly. So how much time do you think that you've saved having that team to help you throughout the podcast process? Oh, I save probably a good six or seven hours a week, if not more, because yeah. just editing the show could take you know, two hours, right? And so just right there, I'm saving a massive amount of time. All the graphics and all the nitpicking that I would do on it, I don't have to do. And that I think is really the beauty of it because we get 
you know, ourselves, we, everything, you know, we want everything to be perfect. We get stuck in that like perfection, perfectionist syndrome. And having this team that takes care of all of these pieces for me allows me to, to step back and to let somebody else that's in their zone of genius do their work so that I can stay in mine. Exactly. And I think it's good. Having a podcast is sometimes difficult, I've found, for perfectionists, because, especially with a team, because the hard part is, and I, I know this, the hard part is um, wanting to make the whole podcast as perfect as possible and as polished as possible. And you need to be able to trust that the experts know what they're doing, you know? Absolutely. And you know, I find that the things that I need to go back and edit out aren't mistakes. They're, they're more just like, sometimes you can get a little long-winded and you want to make sure that that is cut out, right? Or the guest is long-winded or you can tell that they're starting to lose their breath and, and it's really not needed. And so that's really the only time now that I go in and do some extra editing. But it is crucial to let the experts do their work Again, you do want to have that last look and make sure that everything is up to your standard, but nothing needs to be perfect. You know, I'm hearing a lot of people saying done is better than perfect. It does need to be tight. It does need to be edited well. People are going to be listening to it in their head, right? If they have earphones in, they are, you're in their head. So you do want it to sound nice. You do want to have water, you know, on the ready, but it doesn't need to be so tight that it feels formal or unnatural. Yeah, yeah. That's something that I've noticed. Um, I can tell when someone really, really heavily edits their show because there comes a point, there's a line that you cross that will make the show seem, like you said, unnatural. You can kind of hear, oh, that doesn't, doesn't really sound like a conversation that you'd have with someone. You know what I mean? There are certainly times and there's lots of things that should be edited out no matter what, but Honestly, one of my philosophies uh, is to keep it as natural as possible because that way the guests, and I've, I, I feel this as I relate to the podcast more when it feels like it really feels like a conversation. Absolutely. And, you know, because I listen to so many podcasts, I listen for those little nuances. Like, did they leave some ums and uhs into the podcast or is it so so edited, like you said, that it isn't even a natural feeling conversation. And so there is, I think, a fine line and a fine balance there. And I know that you do editing. And so it's nice that you believe in that, that natural flow of conversation that can happen, which oftentimes includes a longer pause than maybe, than maybe you would think should be there. But if that's the person's style and that's the way that they they naturally flow in conversation, it is worth it to leave it in there. And chances are, it's only a half a second or so, right? It's not going to affect the length of the show that, that much, and it's not going to affect the quality of the show. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have conversations with people every day. People will pause and say, um, and you don't lose interest, you know, in the conversation. Right. And, you know, you have to breathe. And yeah. that's, just, that's just the reality, right? People want to breathe and need to breathe. And so it is okay to sometimes leave in those, those big, those breaths or those ums because, you know, people lose their train of thought and stuff like that. So, yeah. And that's, that's very true. Um, yeah. Like right there, I just paused for a moment and I was like perfectly natural pause, you know? Exactly. So let's go back a little bit to 
more specifically how your podcast fits into the overall flow of your business. You said it was a, a uh, you said it was one of your essential marketing tools. Is that, is that true? Is it, is, has it really um, helped the overall marketing strategy of your business? Do you think? I think it's starting to, it's, it's a fairly yeah. new podcast. And so I think over time, you know, a podcast is a long game. It's not a short game. It's not going to be quick wins unless somebody that's ex- like a big guru all of a sudden finds your show and recommends it out to their audience or your, you know, over time, your podcast will grow. That said, I think that podcasting and allowing people to hear your voice is positions you as an expert in your field, positions you as an authority, and positions you also as a human. And that is important as well. So there's a lot of people that are authorities, that are mentors, that are gurus, but they don't feel touchable. They don't feel close enough to where maybe a newer growing entrepreneur is on their journey that they can relate. And I think that the podcasting platform for me has opened up a relatability to me as I'm also a growing entrepreneur. I'm established, but I'm growing. And there's always going to be a new level, new devil, right? And so, and I talk a lot about my, my struggle with anxiety. My podcast gives me that platform to talk about that. My podcast gives me the platform to talk about, you know, what's going on in marketing and business systems and processes that are complete, you know, hocus pocus, and that are actually going to help entrepreneurs move the needle. And these days, the needle, the needle doesn't always move as quickly as you'd like it to, but that's okay. And that's what I want my podcast to help people with. So I feel like it's a super valuable part to my overarching marketing strategy and also to the overarching way that I serve in the, in the broader entrepreneurial community. Because it's not just a marketing strategy, it's a way that I can serve more people as well. That makes sense. It has been, I, I know podcasting is a fantastic marketing tool to incorporate in any kind of business. It really does. There's a sense of familiarity that you get with a podcast host that you listen to because it's like they're talking to you, you know, every day. Um, and you hear that and it kind of feels like you know them, even though you've never met or talked to them before. And that establishes you, like you said, as an authority figure in your industry, which is one of the must-haves of being a business is you need to be an authority you know and i've know i know that um sometimes if you're talking to someone like a, a prospect or or people who are could possibly be customers or associates or something like that if they ask you a question or oh what do you think about this or what's your policy on this you could just say oh well i have a podcast go check out uh, this episode this episode will help you with this uh, this problem Absolutely. And the podcast also like feeds my Facebook group with more ways that they can, you know, hear the types of information that they need as a newer growing entrepreneur. It feeds, like I said, my, my social media platforms and outlets. And it's just a great, it's just such a great platform to share authentic information. And you know, a lot of people are into Facebook Live and, you know, I do Facebook Live sometimes, but I feel like Facebook Live almost seems more staged to me. Like, I feel like there's a different energy that goes into doing a Facebook Live than doing a podcast. I also love the longevity that creating podcast episodes 
brings to your long-term and that long play of your business growth. Because you can have podcasts that, you know, live in perpetuity forever. And so, you know, that's the beautiful part of it. It's some of these episodes, while some of them are time sensitive or some of them may, you know, move in and out of a favor or in and out of style, depending on what your podcast is about, a lot of the content that you're creating is evergreen. And so unlike a Facebook Live that gets lost in somebody's feed, unlike even being on a virtual summit that is a time-sensitive a time-sensitive play, the podcast episode lives forever. Yeah, it really does. It's kind of like having a book too, you know? Uh, people will say that, uh, oh, he wrote the book on that subject. Well, oh, he has a podcast on the, uh, you know, hundreds of episodes or, you know, how many episodes on, on a certain topic. He must be an expert and he must know what he's talking about. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I get into the weeds about things that aren't, that I'm not an expert in, but that's okay because I'm in a learning phase too. Yeah. And people come along for a journey, for a ride, Right. And I know that's how I consume information. And so I hope that people that listen to my podcast find value or at least a nugget of something really valuable out of every episode that they spend time listening to. Yeah. So let me ask you this. I know that your podcasts are an, an interview kind of a format, right? You interview um, different experts and um, that kind of thing, right? Yes. And for the most part, I mean, I do do a solo episode at least once a month and I'm planning on doing more, but right now I just love the process of the interaction of the conversation. That's what really lights my fire. And so that's the format that I prefer to work in. Okay. So you have a good mix of interview and solo episodes. Do you think that that is a, a good uh, strategy for some people? Cause I know that people will sometimes not really know if, if they should go one way or the other, you know, interview or solo or both. And I, both works fine too. Yeah. I mean, I think both is a great strategy. I think if whatever you're most comfortable with, try that first. Yeah. You can always add to or subtract from at a later date. Again, it doesn't have to be perfect out of the gate, right? You just have to start. And your first episode is not going to be nearly as good as your 10th episode. And your 10th episode isn't going to be nearly as good as your 100th episode. Things are going to change. Things are going to evolve. You may think that you want to do solo on, you know, solo episodes, you know, twice a week. You may realize that you want to do one solo and one interview per week. It's flexible, the thing to keep in mind is that it's okay to keep it flexible at first and kind of get your feet wet and see what you like to do. Don't lock yourself into something and then decide you hate it and then give up. Try it. If it's not for you, you know, iterate and try again. That's a, that's a good idea. And that's, that's something that I think people should definitely think about. You just have to start, give something a try. If it doesn't work, um, it's not like you're only going to have 10 episodes. You're going to have as many episodes as you want. So you can afford to change it up, you know, throughout the whole process. Absolutely. Do you have, you, ha you publish once a week, right? I do. I do a one time a week show. Do you add your solo episodes in addition to that? Or is it some weeks are interview, some weeks are solo? Right now, some weeks are interview and some weeks are solo. Usually okay. it's 
if it's a four episode month, usually three episodes are interviews and one episode is a solo. Okay. You know, there's, again, there's opportunity there to do a little like mini series in between where I always release, I always release on Thursdays at 6am Mountain Standard Time. Mm-hmm. That said, I can throw in bonuses when I want, but my commitment to my listeners and to my podcast is that I am going to release an episode every Thursday morning at 6 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. If I add more, that's great, but I'm not over committing myself because again, I have a client workload that I'm, you know, that I'm keeping up with and serving my own clients. And I've got other marketing that I'm doing. I've got a family. I've got a 13-year-old. So I have committed to once a week. If I can do more, great. If not, I will just put one of my solo episodes in as one of those Thursday morning releases. Mm -hmm. Because I know commitment is a huge part of podcasting because sometimes people will get excited. They release their show. They release an episode every week. And then uh, for a month, there's nothing. And then they come back. Consistency is a huge part of podcasting. Right. And I didn't even go live until I had six episodes already loaded. And yeah. then I released three episodes and then I submitted to, you know, iTunes and all the biggies out there. And then I started, so I, in one week I released three episodes and then the following Thursday, I started one per week. Now, I we're recording this in April. At this point in time, I already have all of my episodes scheduled for the whole for the entire next month and a half. But I am actively always interviewing people, so I always have interviews in the can. Yeah, no, you can, and you can get as far ahead as you want when it comes to podcasting. I mean, you can have uh, one and a half months five months, a year in advance, everything can be scheduled. Right. There's no reason to get yourself in a bind around it. Get, get, yeah. some, interviews, inter- get some interviews produced, get them ready, and then start to roll them out as you continue to do interviews. And then that way you can always shuffle the interviews around if you need to. If you decide to do theme months, for instance, where one month may be on one topic and the next month is on a different topic, you can start to play like, musical chairs with where you're going to put in the different episodes. I have learned, and I never say an episode number in any of my shows. I just mark the episode number on the title when it goes live. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. Um, I haven't been doing that either, uh, saying an episode number as I record, because I don't know in what order I'm going to release the episodes. You know, I don't know. um, I haven't decided which episodes are going to go first and which episodes are going to Uh, go on this or that week. You know, it's not something that you need to decide right away. Absolutely. And so again, that flexibility factor is key. Just commit to a release schedule that you know you can keep up with. So if that's once a week, and then you're going to do seasons where you're going to do once a week for three months, and then you're going to take two months off and then start your next season, do it that way. But whatever you decide to do, just make sure, again, like everything else in marketing, consistency is key, right? Consistency over perfection, consistency over everything being just so perfect, right? Keep consistent so that people can count on you. Yeah, exactly. So as we kind of start to wind down, uh, I always end with the same question. And that is, for those listeners out there, who are still, you know, they're unsure whether or not they want to turn on the mic and uh, get their podcast out there. 
what would be your number one tip for them? My tip for them would be give it a try. You know, if you just interview, just start to record. Worst case scenario is you delete it and you start over. It doesn't need to be perfect, but just go for it. And over time, you'll find your voice. Don't get hung up on what your voice sounds like. Forget about all that. Some people are going to love your voice. Some people aren't going to love your voice. That's okay. You don't have to be all things to everybody, but just turn on the mic record your first episode, whether it's a solo episode or an interview style, and see what comes out of it for you. And you might just be pleasantly surprised that it's the platform and the format of content that you've been looking for. Yeah. And just because you record an episode doesn't mean everyone in the world is going to hear it. It doesn't go out to people until you tell it to, until you have it go out. So record your first episode, see how it went. And then if it went well, record some more and then launch. Absolutely. And you know, those first couple episodes that you do are going to end up someday in a long list of episodes, right? So if they're not perfect, that's okay. You can always refer back to them at your 100th episode. You can, you can do a remember when episode and, 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 and laugh and enjoy, you know, how far you've come, right? But you always have to start somewhere and nobody's perfect right out of the gate. That's just silliness. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like the before picture, you know, your first couple episodes are the before picture of your podcast journey. Exactly. That's a great analogy. So just keep going, keep working through it, but just whatever you do, turn on the microphone. Exactly. So uh, how can listeners get in touch with you and see more about what you do if, they, um, if they're interested in what you have to say? Well, listeners can find me everywhere at Build Success with Wendy. That's my Instagram handle. They can look me up on Facebook, Build Success with Wendy. Uh, my website address is Build Success with Wendy. And if you're a new or growing entrepreneur that wants to kind of stop the struggle of all of the systems and, and strategies that you're lost in, that's where I can really mentor you and train you to take your business to the next level. Well, that's amazing. I'm sure that there's going to be some people who are going to check that out because I think that is a fantastic service to provide. Awesome. Thank you, Evan. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Path to Podcast Success. Make sure to head over to ipodcastedit.com to check out the show notes and get each episode of the show delivered right to your inbox. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever audio service you use. If you want to continue the conversation or you have a topic you'd like me to discuss on a future episode of the show, please don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you again for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode as we continue down the path to podcast success.